This is a Dece World production in association with Pants Pending Studios. They're not PC So if occasional foul language turns you off Then you have all been warned This is the call before the storm And thanks for not reporting me as a drunk driver Get ready for the social hour from Dece World Studios in Spokane, Washington, this is The Social Hour. On today's show, from lesser-known comic books, creator David Lujan. And now your host. Libra season is here, so it means he's finally got an excuse for being an asshole. Dees Keen, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Social Hour. I am Dees. What is up, guys? Thank you uh, for coming around for another episode. Uh, fun one planned today. We've uh, got some more comic book creators from our friends at Lesser Known Comics that we're going to talk to today. Uh, before we get into that, uh, guys, uh, as usual, go to dececomedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. Live shows coming to a town near you. Uh, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, I will be uh, at Hop Capital Brewing in Yakima, Washington tomorrow. That is Thursday the 29th. Uh, I will be at the Infinity Room in Salem, Oregon on the 30th, October 1st. Uh, at 238 Bar with our friends in Grants Pass, Oregon, and then on the 2nd, Sunday the 2nd, at uh, the Silver Moon Brewing in Bend, Oregon. So I'll be through Southern Oregon. Get your tickets now. Uh, They're going fast, and then I'm taking a little break, and then I'm coming back for you, Texas. I'll be in Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, and Austin uh, starting on the 20th. So go to dececomedy.com, get your tickets for those. Those are already on sale. Uh, then North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee. So uh, I'll be all over. Find your tickets. You know where to go. Uh, They are all on sale. Um, And if they're not, just fucking wait a little bit. We'll get them. We'll figure it out. Uh, Or let me know if you can't find tickets. Instagram me. I'm pretty easy to find, and I will uh, get back to you. We'll get you you hooked up, guys. So uh, that's it for advertisements. We are going to get in with our guest today um, from uh, Lesser, our friends at Lesser Known Comics, uh, David Lujan, uh, creator of the comic book uh, Yuriko. Uh, David, how you doing, man? Or David. Is it David or David? David. 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 Okay. David for the white people. Sure. Officially, David. I, sh- I should. I should. I should know that. Um, I just didn't. You know, most people are just like they're just like ah. You've, you know, I just it's it's gonna get pronounced that in America enough anyway. I'm just gonna. I'll just take it. You know. So. Yeah. 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 Mm. Are you Hispanic or what? What is your background? What is your ethnicity? That's a really good question. Wait, Filipino or something? You got some like what do you got? What's the, you got like you got the you got the Mexican Asian thing going on? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> no, I'm 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 
I just did like the 23 and Me thing, you know, where you spit in a little vial or whatever. My wife made me do it. Oh, you're in the system now, huh? Yeah, it turns out I'm a, I'm a Native American indigenous Texan. Okay, all right. But my, my grandparents were all Spanish speakers. Yeah, yeah. And they completely denied anything having to do with feathers and bows and arrows. Interesting. Well, you know, I, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine the other day because, uh, you know, I'm Mexican. He is also, he was also Mexican. And we were talking about how the, um, eventually it was all, you know, I mean, that was all kind of one region, you know, because like my grandmother is Hawakan Mexican, which is like very native, old school, still very traditional, old school, like five foot four, super dark, you know, like almost black, round face, you know, like big wide nose, like very, uh, and I'm like, that's like more, like Native American than when you think of like a Mexican, you know, it's just such a weird, there's just so many indigenous cultures that were, and then bastardized by, you know, pillaging and, you know, all kinds of fun. Yeah. You know, good old colonization, uh, really, really mixes it up. <laughs> so, uh, um, so Tex Texas, like what, like, is that, was it, that was, uh, was it the Apaches that were out in Texas? Is that, so yeah, uh, the, uh, I'm part of the Humano Indians. Okay. Who, um, they hooked up with the Apaches and would go and like roam, but half of them were farming people, and they lived in the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a whole bunch of people buried in all the ghost towns out there that are related to me. Yeah. Yeah, pretty crazy. Texas has a crazy history with the settling. Um, there's a really cool book out there called like rise of the summer moon or something like that and it's all about the apaches and in yeah. texas and how they were like the first people to learn how to like shoot arrows off of horses uh in combat and then um the uh, they some like the mexicans that lived there too all the white settlers that were coming west they would always tell them they're like oh yeah yeah they're like they'd ask the mexicans where to go and they'd tell them they'd like just point them towards Apache territory because, because they're like, yeah, dude, get fucked. You're like, yeah, go that way. You'll be fine. And then these people would just be like immediately slaughtered. And I mean, it's kind of fucked up, but also like, Hey, you're encroaching on these people's territory. Anyway, you're like, you're coming in. Yeah. <laughs> right. As, uh, yeah, when my, when, like when my grandpa died, I inherited all of his books. He had these awesome old textbooks that were like the Texas Indian, you know what I mean? But they're published in the seventies and they're super racist. And like, yeah, I can't help it when I read them. It, reading them in like this horrible Texas accent, like so these humano Indians, <laughs> dirty people, right? Yeah, so <laughs> terrible. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, God, man, this, how did this get published? This is like. So obviously racist, <laughs> in so many ways, you know. But there's some there's some good nuggets of information. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the, my people, the people that I came from out in West Texas, were painted people, mm -hmm. which meant they were covered in head and toe with tattoos. Okay, crazy weird body tattoos. Yeah, and they would also plug every hair from their body, including their eyebrows, their nose. Interesting. The pubes, everything. Weird. Oh man. Because I, I needed to know that definitely. I guess, and I guess whoever reads that book needed to know that. They're like, <laughs> wait. <laughs> but there's some hairs that I don't want to pluck, man. There's some like, listen, you know, the uh, yeah. Imagine that they were a lot less hairy than we 
you know, colonized and mixed Mexicans, that, or, you know, with our, with our little beards and whatnot, you know, back then, those, those the untainted ones probably didn't have as many hairs around their asshole. That's also true. Yeah, they're pretty hairless people. That's, uh, I guess it wouldn't take them that long. Um, they're like they're like five minutes in the bath. I'm like, I'm done. Turns out I got nothing. That's a... <laughs> Um, yeah, that's so interesting. Are you, so like, was your, uh, are you pretty tapped into that side of your, your culture? You know, I mean, was you, you know, your grandfather, what, was he pretty like in touch and spread that down to you guys or how? He, no, I mean, they, they, my whole family hit it, right? So my grandma, mm. was, um, you may have some of this in your family, but my grandma was a little old Mexican woman and she was absolutely vehemently racist against Mexicans mm-hmm. because she stroked to be white so she wanted her kids to be perceived as white sure. so she was racist against her own children and it was just really terrible so she was trying to hide it forever and like whenever my grandparents were arguing if she wanted to put like the I'm going to stop this dead in its tracks they'd be spitting machine guns Spanish at each other and my brother and I said, yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> she would say oh you dirty old Indian you're lucky I jacked you from the desert brought you to and wouldn't say anything and was real bad you could see like you know steam coming off his head and I'm like dang grandpa's an Indian we gotta find his bow and arrow like we we took it literally you know what I mean but my whole family always took it as an insult because it was just associated with poverty so they didn't really teach us about that side of the family and they tried to hide that side of the family as much as possible so I've been trying to delve into it a lot and my uh, my, my dad has too so yeah. Just going out there and trying, like, there's this awesome, uh, is it Tanaha that's out in, in West Texas? That's like a catch basin, a water catch basin thing that's named after my family. Mm. There was apparently, like, a Spaniard named Lujan who went out there and he had his, like, his family in town with a lady oh. from Spain. And then he had a family out in the desert with an Indian woman and she had, like, eight kids yeah and she lived in a cave and she was he would go visit her every once in a while and make another baby and then he'd go back to town and make another baby it's like uh oh, oh okay yeah this guy's spreading his seed yeah <laughs> he's 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 doing what the lord said go spread that simple yeah uh, yeah exactly yeah it it is uh it's wild that uh you know it's i it is interesting to be able to like tap back into that culture and it's you know especially because you know, for for so many uh, white people in America, it's such a homogenized, like, just like, of European, like, we don't know. It's just, you know, fucking whatever. We just came here and, <laughs> yeah, and like, they're not in touch with their history at all where, you know, I, I feel really lucky because my... My dad's 100% Mexican. My mom's like Mexican, Native, and Irish. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm mostly Mexican with like some Native, which is, you know, like we spoke essentially kind of the same thing in a way. Uh, you know, so it's like I, and I, I have a lot of history that I've collected from my dad and my grandparents before they passed away and my aunts and uncles. And I still have a lot of family that lives in Mexico, you know. So it's like it's a little easier for me to get in touch with it. And, I, you know, it's... Uh, it's so interesting because I feel like that that version of family is going to be dead within like two generations, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. It's a it's a weird thing too because like people ask me a lot. Like I was a bartender for years and years and years. People would always mm. be like, "Where are you from? Are you like Middle Eastern or something?" And I'd be like, "No, oh, I'm I'm from Texas, but but back when." 
Texas was Mexico, and then before Mexico existed. Yeah, yeah. You, you do the math, right? Yeah. <laughs> the thing to me is that I didn't really go very far. I feel like I, I've adventured and I've traveled and all stuff, but I kind of went from here to there. No, you know, I didn't go far. Yeah. For, thousands of years yeah yeah you'd, you'd think i would have gone somewhere else you know my family or whatever <laughs> they're happy with their roots man i guess so there's a lot of mosquitoes down here yeah what part of texas are you in i'm in austin, austin texas. oh you're in austin oh shit man yeah. come to a show when i'm down there i'm gonna be in austin I'm- where are you playing? Uh, I got to figure out where in Austin I'm doing, but I'm doing like a, a bunch of stuff in Dallas and Fort Worth and I think San Antonio. Um, okay. And then I'm actually I'm actually moving to San Antonio soonish. So, Whoa. yeah, yeah. San Antonio is coming up in the world, man. I, a cool spot now. Yeah, I love, I love Texas. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up in L.A. and I've lived, uh, you know, some time in Phoenix and vegas and spent a lot of time in san antonio i just love the southwest i don't know why i live in the northwest now i hate the snow i hate the cold um <laughs> i uh i fucking uh, i hate the cold like it's just very there's no diversity here and like that after growing up like i grew up in south central la and like in the 80s you know so it was <laughs> i didn't see white people till i was in my teens you know um yeah so I want to get somewhere that's like got some diversity, especially Latin culture. Again, I just feel way more at home. Yeah. You know, a lot of brown folks in San Antonio. Yeah, man. I leave. just the just the food, the culture, the vibrancy. There's just if you're you know, it's just something about it. You know, it's just like when you're used to it. You know, I just like don't feel. I feel like disconnected to where I live a lot because of that. When I go to places with like that culture, and I'm in it for a couple of days or somewhere, I'm like, oh yeah, I feel like just more at home. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I like white people. I married one. Sure, sure. Real nice lady. Yeah, yeah. And my kid, my kid is pretty much white. She's like an onion. But she, she is ethnic, and she looks, she resembles all the like Trevino side of the family and everything. And she looks facial like or her shape does. But she's just onion. Like she'll burn, and then she'll just peel and be white again. <laughs> no tanning. This is no impossible. Oh man, it's crazy. It's funny as hell. <laughs> grandmothers were just over the moon they were like oh you had a white baby finally you did it <laughs> you did it. yeah if you wanted a white baby you can order one on wayfair there's easier ways to do it uh you know come on you I, just <laughs> wayfair or schoolhouse yeah <laughs> they're out there man they're out there go on the silk road you can get anything um <laughs> we uh, uh so yeah you get i mean do you find that living in texas at uh, the because i uh i always have this kind of theory that people are really like we can't escape our dna you know like what is really in us written encoded in our like in our hardwire you know and um the i feel like there's because of like my latin roots like i'm like the desert it doesn't like hot food, hot weather. Like those things don't bother me at all. Like I, I don't, it can be 110 degrees all day. And I'm like, it doesn't fucking bother me. You know, like I love the desert. I love being in the desert. And then I know people who just hate it. And I think that people are very tight. Like when you start looking back at like their DNA and past, it really makes sense as to where, Oh, your people are from like Norway. Yeah. You probably, you know, this is not just your DNA is not made for, you know arizona in the summer 
<laughs> yeah, or for hot sauce. Yeah, oh. right. Like, sorry, man, you, you just, it's not gonna work. <laughs> no, I, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. I try not to think about it, but I'm definitely a lizard. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I work construction, carpentry, and stuff, and I'll end up building a fence, and I'll be outside in the middle of the summer in Austin, and it's a hundred and ten heat index in the middle of the day. Yeah. I'll drink like five gallons of water and not pee once. Yeah. And the people will come outside and be like, you need a glass of ice water? I'm like, man, you need to get with the program. <laughs> I've been drinking out of your gardening hose for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> if I hadn't been drinking the amount of water, I would be dead. Right. <laughs> but but, but the, the heat doesn't really, normally doesn't get to me to the point where I'm like, oh God, and I, you know, heat stroke. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm just acclimated to it. Yeah. yeah, I think I think people just really uh, there's not enough put into what is really hardwired into us as far as the things like because um, I mean you know we all we do this thing we're like we're all the same and I'm like yeah kinda but also we do have cultural differences that are hardwired into our DNA that isn't a bad thing you know it's just a thing that exists exactly like I spent a month in Peru last summer ah. and. Nice. I was in Cusco. I don't know if you've ever been to Cusco before, but the elevation is, you know, way higher. Yeah. It's like way higher than Denver. Yeah. We, we were staying like right next to this, uh, like kind of a missionary church is right on this hill. And it's all steps so and you're going up and down. And I would get windy just walking a block going up this, these steps because there's no oxygen. Right. And you're going straight up and down. Yeah. And these little old dudes would run by me. You know what I mean? Like jogging to the top yeah. of the hill. And they're like lifting rocks, you know, like volcanic rocks and doing their little old man exercises. I'm like, dude, you could kick my ass and I wouldn't, I'm half your age. It's just, what, what the hell? So I looked into it and it turns out that Peruvians have got larger uh, rib cages and more lung capacity because they're acclimated to having that high altitude yeah. so that they can breathe more. And it's a generational thing. Sure. Like it over, they, they, literally evolved to acclimate to their environment so it's exactly like what you were just saying that's different from people who live in the low-lying deserts of arizona yeah like maybe a foot above sea level yeah no nah, you don't have that lung capacity it's just not possible you know I mean? so yeah and that's i mean it's so interesting when you 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 see that happen in real life and you're like oh that's a real thing like yeah i mean those people i mean imagine if you didn't have more lung capacity and still had to live in that climate all day every day, you'd be fucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I was. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, I was on the stop. I really feel like an old man. Just oh, catch up with you guys. I just whoo. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, uh, and and dodging the dog shit everywhere. You know, the dogs are happy and they live on the streets, man. Yeah, when you go to I've, I've so I've never been to Peru. I'm supposed to go next October. Uh, is the plan? Uh, I go to I go to Central America a lot. I've been all over Central America. Um, you know, Costa Rica, Belize, Panama, Nicaragua, Honduras, things like that. Uh, but uh, um, uh, Pan- uh, Panama is on my list for uh, next, or Peru is on the list for next year. Um, so what, when I really want to go, I mean, how was it when you went? I'm, I'm so interested, like, what, what, how long were you there? What was the experience like? So my, my wife uh, teaches overseas. Like, she'll, she'll bring groups of people down there. So oh, okay. She teaches, teaches yoga. Oh, wow. So no shit. Go down there, 
Yeah, so we'll, she, she goes a lot to uh, Guatemala and to Nicaragua. Okay. So she tries to bring me and kid along as much as possible, but, um, so Peru was a, an extended thing where we hosted two different groups come down and we just stayed for the entire month. So we got to have, you know, like a good 15 days of downtime when I, we weren't working, you know, because it was kind of a work trip, um, which was great. Got to go hike all the ruins, got to, you know, the weather's awesome. Yeah. The winter time there, the summer, winter with quotation marks, because it's like 40 at night and 75 during the day. Yeah. And, but then all the Peruvians are walking around with these like poopy jackets, <laughs> full on Gore-Tex winter coats. And I'm walking around on a t-shirt going, guys, what? Yeah. Confused. It's all right. <laughs> I come from a hot climate. This isn't even that cold for me. Like, how is it that you're, what is happening? Everybody's got sweaters, and they all swear to you that they're they're 100% baby alpaca sweaters. It's like, ah, man, it's, it's cool, but that's fine. Yeah. Okay, it's a cool sweater. <laughs> got a llama on it. I still want to buy it. Yeah. Right. A, lot, a lot of hats. Everybody's tiny. I don't know how tall you are, but I'm 6'4". So I was, like, towering yeah. people, which was cool. Yeah, you feel like a... You're, yeah. Yeah, all you have to do is just put your arms up in the air... And you can just monkey on them. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, did, uh, did you did you uh, hike Machu Picchu? Yeah, uh, I hiked down it. Okay. okay. Um, I took the, I took the bus up. I wanted to hike up, but we were with people that weren't really capable of walking up those stairs. You know, hip injuries and knee injuries. Yeah. So I stuck with those people, but. Um, we're supposed to go back next summer, and I'm definitely going to walk, hike up that thing. The Incan Trail, though, is like a long, arduous, snow-capped mountain, like, you know, J.R.R. Tolkien feat yeah. to do. So you can hike all the way from Cusco, you know, several days, like weeks, until you finally get to Machu Picchu, then you got to hike up that bitch. That's, yeah, I didn't do all that. Yeah, I there's this program where you can uh that i'm i'm thinking about doing where it's like a two week and you uh you you get with like this local tribe and they literally yeah do that hike all the way to machu picchu and up and it's like yeah it's a two-week trek and it's i'm like ah it seems like that'd be kind of badass though so um i mean if you got people to carry your shit for you yeah (laughs) backpacking and carrying all the food and stuff to me is pretty pretty tough yeah i do um yeah. Be a hell of an adventure. The uh, with with Machu Picchu, the I heard you, maybe you can verify this. I was trying to figure this out. I'd heard that like, you're supposed you have to have like a guide to go up there with oh, you. Yeah. No, that's supposed to okay. You just can go walk. And there, and there are people trying to sell themselves to you uh, at the entrance. That's you yeah. Bring somebody and say, hey, yeah, tell me about all the shit. Then they'll, you just pay them a couple, of whatever. Pay them a couple bucks and then they'll go in with you and they'll tell you about all the stuff. But you don't have to have a guy. You can just walk on up. Yeah. Okay. Cool. The uh, that's that's awesome. Um, hey, this for some reason I'm getting a time limit on this. Um, the if when this ends, I'm just going to send you another link. Okay. Okay. So just so you know, uh, we got about five minutes on this. For some reason, give me a, a time limit on this. It used to go unlimited. I don't know what happened. Um, the uh yeah do you do you speak spanish uh un poquito yeah enough to kind of get by but not, not enough to, to really have a, a long arduous conversation sure 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 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I did more when I was a kid because my grandparents spoke nothing but Spanish. And I grew up around them, and then I kind of lost it a little. Like, I can read it, and I can, like, usually understand what people are saying. Um, yeah. I still struggle with, like, how to s- – and I can get my point across, you know, but, like, yeah, yeah, yeah with uh, – verbs and all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes I'm a little uh, – so I've, I've been getting better, though. I've been, pra- I've been practicing every day for, like, the last year. I do lessons and shit, so I'm trying to I'm, – I'm getting pretty good again where I'm, like, feeling more confident. It's nice. Uh, <laughs> people down there, people down there are stoked if you are at least try. And half of the people down there don't speak Spanish; they speak a native language. Sure, yeah. So the younger kids will speak Spanish, and they'll translate from Spanish to whatever their crazy language is. Yeah. And then the lady who's got all the food and vegetables and stuff, she'll say something to the little kid, and the kid says it to you in Spanish, and you're like, "Damn, I actually speak English." All right. Well, that was a weird game. <laughs> <laughs> You know? My problem is that I, my pronunciation is good enough to where people assume that I can speak. Mm. So I'll say something to them, and my pronunciation is so good that they just go, oh, really? Yeah, and yeah. Like, oh, man, slow down. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. The the thing that the the thing that really blew my mind is the first time I went to Costa Rica and I went to the Caribbean side, and they all speak Spanish, right? But they speak Spanish with a like Jamaican accent, and it fucking blew my mind. I was like, my mind just broke. I'm like, wait, hold on, I don't know what. I need you to say that again because that is. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just no. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, I think that, like dialects though, like they're they're not as <clears throat> they're much more prevalent than people think. Even in Texas, oh yeah, uh, northern Mexico, this uh, Chimac and all these crazy like native languages that are still there. Yeah, I mean, half of them are dying mm-hmm. because they're not being, being passed on to the younger generations who are like, look, if I want to make money, I have to speak Spanish, and I'm going to go into town. I don't speak in this weird Quechua. Right, cut it from. Yeah, but. There are still tons and tons of dialects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you go to southeastern Mexico, um, there's still a lot of uh, Mayan that spoke. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, like, these Mayan languages and those people, which which is funny because, like, you know, it's it's one of those things where, like, some of it sounds like Spanish and then some of you are like, that is definitely not, like, Spanish. But even Spanish from, like, <laughs> Mexico to... The Spanish they speak in, like, California is different, yeah. you know? Yeah, so totally. totally. So, so, I mean, we, we, we go to Guatemala quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, we've gone to, like, Tikal and, um, you know, a bunch of awesome ruins yeah. down there. And talking with some of the people, local people, who are obviously Mayan. I mean, homeboy looks like the painting hieroglyph. Oh, right, oh. yeah. You're, you're that guy. Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, they, the Spaniards came and conquered or whatever, but they're all still there. Yeah, oh yeah. They've been shit. They've all passed all their stuff down to each other, you know, and it's like, it's awesome, I think. It's really cool. And there is actually, they are finally starting to teach, uh, like, Mayan dialects in the schools down in, in Guatemala. Oh, really? Whereas before, yeah, it was the same thing as, like, in Texas. You couldn't speak Spanish in school all through the 50s, 40s. Yeah. Even into the 60s, or you'd get in trouble, you know, uh, because they were trying to homogenize the population. Right. The same thing was happening in Guatemala. Like, you had to speak Spanish. You couldn't speak Chimac. You couldn't speak Quechua. 
um, because then they would they would punish you for it, you know. So now they're actually doing that with kids and like trying to teach them the, the local dialects. It's awesome. Yeah, they get badass. That's great. That is one thing I really like about Latin culture is they're uh, they're really good about like trying to hold on to their roots you know um you see that a lot in in central america and south america them just continuing to like teach these traditions i went and spent some time with this mayan tribe in like southeastern mexico uh for for a couple days and it was really wild to just spend time with them and watch them like you know work with them while we're you know harvesting their food making their own food from source and uh, just you know the way they they live it's just it was very very interesting and to know that like well there's still these tribes out here like doing it in this way yeah 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 um here this is about to this is about to uh die i'm gonna send you a new link and we'll uh we'll get this going again Okay. Okay. One second. I'll shoot you another link right now. One second, David. I'm gonna end this. Okay. All right. Oh, and that is ended. We are just uh, for some reason Zoom has been a real son of a bitch and has not been willing to. If uh, not now, I don't want to do that. Um, has not been giving me. It gives me this time limit thing. Everything's gone wild since I got this new computer. I. I that's the most like ugly American thing to do is complain about my new, you know, $1,500 computer. <laughs> like, oh, no. I've got, a, I've got a time limit on how long I can talk to someone in a different state. Real tough. Okay, I'm a piece of shit, I know. Okay, we're going to get uh, David back on here. And we're going to talk more about his comic book, uh, Eureka, from Lesser Known Comic Books. You can uh, find Lesser Known uh, Comic Books guys at uh, Lesser Known Comics on Instagram. They've got a bunch of Kickstarters up, so we're going to talk about those. Go check them out. Uh, you've heard them on the show before, uh, Mark and a couple other uh, people, uh, talking about what they've uh, got going on. So, And David's back. Hey, you're back. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't don't know why Zoom is yeah, it's all sorts of technical problems. If I had more time, I would figure all this shit out. Uh, one day I'm gonna have to. Uh, when I get back from this next run, I've got like I've got like two weeks off. Where in this that's the that's the longest amount of time I've had at home in like a year probably. So I'm like looking forward to a lot of getting a lot of shit done, and this is on the agenda of fixing this shit. So. <laughs> but uh let's uh let's talk about the comic book so you got a comic book you're working with uh our friends at lesser known comics uh again like i said you can find them on instagram facebook and more they've got a lot of great uh books out there you've heard us talk to them and some of their creators on the show before um you are working on a book called yuriko uh tell us a little bit about the book and how it uh came to be i uh <clears throat> i've got a this wild hair to write story about a vampire that was set in Korea. Um, and this is during the pandemic, obviously. And I had been working on another comic book called uh, Narita, which is about a mermaid. And I was like three issues in, and I had been trucking away at that. And I finally got it where I wanted it to be, art style and all the stuff. And I thought, I need a break from this. Let me, yeah. let me completely switch gears. So I wrote this novella uh, with the same title, Yuriko, and it, to 
about a vampire who's kind of uh, existing pre World War One. World War One is like the, the, the as far into the present as it gets. Um, so then it see it just started it kind of because it's set in Asia, so it opened up this like crazy gate for me of like weird stuff that could happen. There's, uh, Tibetan monks who are vampires, and that's how the Mongol horde was able to take over all of Europe. Okay. These Tibetan monks, which obviously, yeah, why no one that. I think we know that. Yeah, that's historical fact. That, uh, <laughs> um, not only not only that, but like you know, just just the, the, it gave me a chance to really like kind of research the, the history and culture of Korea and Seoul and the Industrial mm. Revolution. All the stuff that happened down there with the introduction of railroads and yeah. trying to tie this vampire into, you know, other parts of the world. And yeah, so that's how it came about. And then I, I, I wrote this, uh, like a two-part novella, like, uh, 200 pages or so, and I thought, it takes place over a, 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 bunch of, a long period of time, and there's obviously gaps in the, the story of long periods of time when we don't really know what's going on. Yeah. Well, what if I did a graphic novel that filled in the blanks instead of just retelling the story the same way, just in graphic form? So these, I'm going to do five issues of the graphic novel, graphic comic or whatever, that are going to fill in the blanks uh, in the book that act as like a, a companion piece. Okay. So if you read it, it's kind of like supplemental information. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what was the, I guess, what was the uh, decision to use a comic book format instead of, you know, continue with, like, novellas of you, as you'd been doing? Um, uh, because I, I like to draw. Okay. I love comic books. Okay. And, I, yeah, for, forever I've just always wanted, I've always wanted to be a comic book artist, and forever the society by and large has told me no no that's not real art right you need to make real art you need to make prints you need to go to school and study and blah 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 that's, that's not how you draw that's so graphic uh so <laughs> figurative uh, you know so but deep down inside i was like i just want to draw some like people kicking each other's asses and like running through the streets and like i don't know flying or breaking stuff like that's awesome why wouldn't i want to draw that yeah yeah now that i'm a grown-ass man i can do whatever i want i'm gonna make some conflicts yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's. I mean, the. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at your art here. It definitely has a Asian influence to it. I would say. Um, is there? Was there something? I mean, are you in with Kyoriko and uh, Naruda? Was that the first one you said? The mermaid thing. Naruda. Uh, Naruda. <laughs> I mean, she, she's not. She's not Asian at all. She, oh. she takes place in in a completely different like fantasy world. She's a mermaid. That, and there's like uh, tons of different ethnicities. Okay. And a bunch of like Central American people in there. Got it. Okay. Shit. That's like a totally different thing. Got it. Uh, why, why the vampire thing is drawn the way it is? It's so stark. It's black and white. It's uh, very kind of crude and, and kind of almost like crusty with textures and things. Cause yeah. Because it's a break from the style of the other comics that I was. Got it. Okay. Now, I mean, is there is there a reason you chose uh, Korea as the backdrop? What was the um, impetus to make that the? I mean, was it looking into the? I mean, what? Yeah. How was uh, that the choice? Well, I I, uh, <clears throat> I love Korean horror films. Okay. And I think that they don't they don't get enough attention. 
by and large, in, in my opinion, the storytelling and stuff is uh, kind of amazing to me. You know how things kind of will circle around on themselves and be like, oh, there's that, that eureka moment where you're like, ugh, that's awful and awesome at the same time. <laughs> um, but uh, so I, I really, I like that. I also realized that if it was set in Japan or anywhere else in Asia, I, I could have set it in China, I suppose. But if it was set in Japan, which is kind of like the most obvious choice for comic book geeks, like manga is huge. Yeah. It likes Japanese culture. There's all that stuff to kind of contend with. Whereas in, in Korea, there's not that huge, crazy um, comic book culture that you have to contend with. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's part of it. The other part of it is like, yeah, I don't know. Korea sounds cool. Something. <laughs> friends like the soul, and they're like, it's awesome. Yeah, I like Korean food. Mm -hmm. Let's set the comic book there. All right. Roll the dice. Yeah, and then kind of once you got going and were able to do some research, it really seems like it started to come together. Yeah, yeah, because I was able to connect it to like the Mongol hordes and um, you know the different wars that they had with Japan over the years, and industrialization, and it's real close to Siberia, which then gets into like Russia and vampires up there. All that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Well, it's the only reason Putin's still alive, I think. Um, he's definitely drinking someone's blood. Um, the uh, blood of his enemies, that's for sure. Um, the uh, yeah, I'm looking at this art. It's a very crisp, clean, um, like, uh, and it takes in the spirit it's intended in kind of minimalistic style, where it's like it's detailed, but also like you you know. Uh, the the lines are simple if that makes sense. Um, I, I try not to get bogged down in like super crazy detail. Like it's like, bam, bam, thank you, man. Somebody's gonna spend maybe three seconds looking at this image, and it's gonna already gonna take me you know thirty minutes to draw it. Mm -hmm. So bang for your buck, I shouldn't spend too much time, or it, I'm just wasting my time. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't come up with uh, I came up with a brush. I, I, I draw on a, on an iPad. Okay. I with a brush, uh, using my thumbprint. So I just dipped it in ink and then smushed it on paper and then came up with a bunch of different brushes that use that thumb, thumbprint to make all the textures. Yeah, I can see that. I'm looking at a couple that I can definitely tell are fingerprints as texture yeah. on them. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, it, this style fits really well for a vampire backdrop because it's it's like crisp but not over the top. So it gives you like it almost has like a stark look to it, which gives it uh, like a, again takes in the spirit as intended, like an empty feeling, which can a would add to like that uh, that like emptiness of the horror, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh. You know, some of the characters in there are definitely seemingly very innocent young people, but they're existing in this environment that's like very textured, very dark, you know, and stark and like, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, so, I mean, uh, this uh, this project is going on right now. Do you have future endeavors in mind to, to continue doing in comic books or...? Yeah, absolutely. So I want to I want to do uh, four more of these for Yuriko, um, and if if Mark will continue to release, <laughs> and I'm not sure the pain yet. Uh, uh, I also want to put out uh, my mermaid book with him, the Narita. I've got 
five issues of that that are just in the can waiting to go that I've never done anything with. And that's how I hooked up with Lesser Known Comics because I was like, hey, uh, help me. Because I didn't really know what the hell I was doing. I was like, I drew all these comics, but what do I do now? Yeah, what happens now? I know what to do. <laughs> Check it out. You do this, 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 and this. And I was like, okay, sounds good. But uh, yeah, so I want to continue to put out those comics. And I've also got a comic. I've got two other comics that I've written. Um, but I haven't drawn yet. One of them is called Yuki the Dragon Slayer, about mm -hmm. an interdimensional middle school kid who comes from a long family line of dragon slayers. And she busts through a tear in the universe, whatever portal thing, and a dragon follows her through, and she just just destroys the middle school that she happens to land on, which also happens to be my daughter's middle school. <laughs> We wrote, we wrote that together. That, that was a little more playful. Yeah. There's lots of explosions and <laughs> this giant fight scene. She's got a, you know, a six foot tall, like, uh, berserker sword. But the, the Yuki, the character is, you know, tiny. She's like four feet tall. Right. That kind of thing. <laughs> got that one, and then I've got a book that I don't know that I can do. It's, uh, it's supposed to be in, set in, the, like, the ghetto 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 of Gotham, where even Batman doesn't ever go. Just because... There's no high-profile crime happening there. It's just, you know, drugs and sure. homeless people and stuff like that. About uh, a, a girl is set in the 90s, and her dad decides to like kind of take the helm and take things into his own hands. He gets killed, and so she learns how she figures it all out, and she becomes kind of like a bat girl, but without mention, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's obviously legalities. I think I think there's some really uh, I think there's some really creative ways you could play that up and make it uh, to dodge any uh, litigation, <laughs> you know, uh, but also still make it obvious. And that might actually add to kind of the mystique of it, you know. Yeah, I mean, like I, I wonder if I can make it as a fan comic because obviously I'm a fan of Batman. Yeah. I mean, I think you can make it. You can do any fanfic and not make money. I think if you're making money on it, there's licensing issues. But I mean, again, you can. I mean, without even naming it, you know, you could you could drop enough hints and do enough things to kind of like symbolism and thing in you know, uh, veiled suggestions that I think would make it obvious of what you're doing. Yeah, and I, and I, I really like this concept too because it's. I don't feel like they've represented black culture well enough in DC Comics at all. Yeah. Or in, in Batman specifically. Like, they tried. They did that little CW show that was Batgirl or whatever. But, man, like, yeah. man, you know, like, so this is supposed to be set in the 90s. She's got her little headphones on. She's listening to Biggie Smalls. She's listening yeah. to Wu-Tang Clan. She's listening to Tupac. All the hip-hop in the 90s. You know, Nas. All the stuff. So that's, like, a big part of it. And just that... 90s like urban black hip hop culture I would want to be like the, the, the uh, a main player in book well you know what I mean yeah which would be a total like 180 degrees from a vampire comic <laughs> you know but you know, I don't know yeah that uh, that is such a specific time you know having grown up in that culture and in that time um it's it's definitely unique you know there was nothing else like it before or after um and really is a, is a vibe you know and still something i think a lot of people like i think it's just such a distinct turning point you know in in yeah. in our culture 
Yeah, all these like these Gen Z Zoomers. Yeah, they all like try and appropriate the '90s cultures and '80s culture. It's like, oh, you watch Stranger Things. I get it. That's cool. Now you need to actually fry your hair with a crimping comb so it looks horrible. Yeah. And you walk around in public pretending that it looks good. Right. Actually, have. <laughs> Not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what that's the commitment level people our age had. Uh, <laughs> the uh, yeah, the, it's funny you're talking about uh, like black culture being represented in comics, or I think I I think comic books still has a huge problem representing minority culture at all. Um, and the it's partly my cynicism, but also partly just reality. I think where like. The attempts they make are so blatantly like disingenuous and like, hey, look, we made Robin buy. You're welcome. And you're like, all right, man. Like, you know, it's like, I mean, it's, I, I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm saying like, can't you, why don't you create a character and like really make something that's like from whole cloth and, and like, a put like really put effort into this if you're gonna do it not just be like hey here's this kind of like b minus character we kind of use and like ah oh, look sometimes they're into dudes i guess uh you know it's, uh, inclusion and you're like <laughs> yeah i also don't i also don't think that there's enough emphasis on putting on the whole discovery of all of that yeah uh, be, uh young queer kids have to discover it and they discover it in different ways um, because no, it is not the quote-unquote norm in society at this point. Yeah. So they never put that into the stories. They'll just like all of a sudden be like, oh yeah, like you said, he, he's kind of into guys sometimes. Like that dude. Right. Okay, yeah. All right. Now go away. But they never talk about like what Robin Robin had anxiety over how society was going to perceive him if he started if he wanted to kiss a boy. Right. Yeah, that's a huge part of queer culture. It's a huge part of you know homosexual culture that people have to get over, and it's this big hurdle. And I think that's not something that's dealt with because it's kind of it's like ah. Yeah, that's the hard part. That's the hard conversation, you know. Exactly. And but that's the real part. Like I mean, I mean, it seems silly, but imagine you are like the boy wonder sidekick of the most macho guy in the world not to not to say batman's intolerant of alternative lifestyles but he's like this macho symbol right so imagine in like eventually you're gonna have to say something to him so it's like how does that conversation go why can't we talk about like you know you know uh what that's how that meme of batman slapping robin came about (laughs) He's like, you're like, oh Jesus, Batman! You took this way worse than I thought you would. Uh, <laughs> the uh... yeah, you know, I mean, like th- those are all things that those are all things that I think are, are underrepresented in our society for sure. You know, I have a lot, a fair amount of gay friends. Uh, my uncle died of HIV in the '90s. Yeah, same, dude. Yeah, living in San Francisco. You know, like I, I've been a part of my life and my upbringing and stuff forever and ever and ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also kind of funny that this generation that that we have now that's coming up, they kind of mm-hmm. are sort of acting like they invented gay culture, and I'm like, no, yeah, well, no, I mean, come on, man, the Greco-Romans were all, <laughs> you know, it's it, 
it's I was having this conversation with a, a, a friend of mine who's gay recently. And what we were we were talking about all the stuff like, you know, how it's blossomed out. And, you know, it's like gay and now there's trans and there's like a million labels on it. Right. And all these things. And, you know, uh, it, it's funny because like like you, my, I had an uncle actually who died of AIDS in the early 90s also. Um, and, you know, I just it the way I and I. We, we were talking about it and I go, you know what I think it is? I go, these other, there's like bi and trans and like queer. And it's before it's just like kind of gay dudes and maybe gay girls, you know, like that was kind of it. And uh, now there's so many things I go, these people are in their teen years for this part of their life. This like this idea of like this, you know, like. Basically, like, gay's been around a long time. Not to say trans hasn't been around a long time, but it's more in the spotlight now. Gay's, like, so 2000 and late. It's like, oh, you just bang dudes? What are you, a fucking conservative? Uh, you know, like, uh, yeah. So it's like this, uh, like... The, like trans is like the kind of hot button issue, I guess you'll say, or how like more kind of like the, the newer thing. And I think, like, that culture as a whole is in its teens. So what that means, like they're just in this like rebellious phase where they need you to see them. They want to be like, they're a little more in your face about it. And like, they just, they're just, and like gay people been through that. And they're like, yeah, dude, we, we did our stuff, you know, like we're fucking, we're, we're just hanging out now. We're doing our best, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that, you know, I think it's great to shine the spotlight on these different, people and different cultures that are happening in our society just because for, for so long it's been swept under the rug yeah. and people have been mistreated or ostracized from society in general and I mean for hundreds of years oh yeah um, queer uh, queer people were put in the same camps death camps as all of the Jews during right. World War II like yeah anybody with any ethnicity anybody Jewish and anybody gay even if you're like the ultimate Aryan guy, right? The ultimate Aryan guys. Yeah, they somehow look the most gay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. 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 Why yeah. are you so oiled up? Manning that gun like that. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Side note. But yes, I think I think it's. I'm kind of feeling the same thing as you, uh, where it's kind of like, okay, you're, you're in my face about all the different subsets and all the different labels and all the different things. It's like, well, what if, what if I don't really need to know the difference between, um, bi and pansexual or, or whatever all the other different sexualities are or the different genders or the, like, what if I don't really need to know because it doesn't really affect me and I'm also not interested. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you're celebrating yourself in that way, and that's all great. But I also don't need you to get on my ass like I'm doing something wrong by not really giving a fuck because I like you for who you are. Are you a nice person or are you a dick? Yeah. If you're a dick, I don't like you. I don't care if you're trans or queer or gay, whatever. Yeah. If you're a dick, I don't fucking like you. <laughs> if you're a nice person, I like uh, yeah. you. Yeah. That's all. It's pretty simple. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Really, it's pretty cut and dry. Uh, yeah, it's so... Uh, um, yeah, it's it is it is a it is a crazy time. The uh, <laughs> I just had a uh, we'll call it a, a tiff with uh, some 
local comics because someone started an open mic at this it's this gay bar and i'm like okay I'm like cool that's awesome open mics more comedy great and then like okay so if you're like any type of queer you get four minutes if you're straight you get three minutes and i'm like oh so your whole your whole your whole uh <laughs> mic is based around discrimination of a certain group i'm like that's pretty fucking that's pretty uh Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting approach. Um, I, I go, I'm like, uh, isn't it about like inclusion? I go, what if someone created a mic and they're like, all right, if you're straight, you get four minutes. But if you're gay, you get three. I'm like, I feel like we'd have big problems in that realm. Like, aren't we trying to make it so like, you know, equity, equality type that, you know, I'm like, that's, that is absurd to me that uh, someone can look at that and be like, no, this is the answer. I'm like, that's, uh, you know also what do you have to do do you just tell them and they take it at your word do i have to fucking yeah, what, are they watching you when you're bad <laughs> yeah they know? i don't know <laughs> you don't look at him like, yeah i'm like i've been to jail you don't know <laughs> so no for real oh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> yeah well i mean like it's it's weird people people love to be trolls you know they love it i don't know why I, I recently did a, a, a like a little promotional image for the vampire comic, right? So all my characters, I treat them as actors, and I'll dress them up in other people's outfits. Yeah. The mermaid chick and the whole cast, I dress them up as Ninja Turtles at one point in time to do like an alternate cover. Where it's like the main chick, Narita, is dressed up as April O'Neil, and then everybody else is a different Ninja Turtle. Because I fucking love Ninja Turtles, you know what I mean? So I did one with all the, the three ladies from uh, Yuriko who are ethnically light-skinned Korean people, right? There's actually no color in the book itself. It's black and white. So you don't really know what color is in the skin color. Yeah. But you can infer that they are light-skinned Korean people. And in Korea, it's pretty homogenous in terms of like your skin color. Yeah. Unless you're a transplant from somewhere else. So back in 1900, you're probably going to be a white-ish Korean person. Well, I dressed them all up like the three characters from uh, from Steven Universe, Garnet, um, Amethyst, and Pearl, because you know I watch cartoons with my daughter, and I thought that would be funny to so, like cosplay uh, or cosplay my three characters from the comic book as characters from some other cartoon. Yeah. So I did, but Garnet in the cartoon is a black person. Yeah. And so. On Instagram, instantly some trolls were like whitewashing garden. I don't like that. Oh so God! Like yelling at me, I'm like, dude. All right, all right. You, uh, I'm, first of all, I, I don't respond to that type of stuff. I'm like, delete you and block you for life. Yeah. You ever make? It's real easy, but I just it did irk me. I was like, damn, these fools are up in arms about like, what if it was an actual? First of all, make believe character. The vampire does not exist in right. reality at all. Like, I just made a drawing. Well, neither does Garnet. Yeah, she's a fucking Christian German. She's not even a human. Like, she happens. She's like, oh, I'm, I'm formed into this human form. I made it out of my crystal powers, and it happens to be a British black right. chick. Deal with it. Which is awesome. I'm not knocking that at all. But that's the same thing I was thinking about. I was like, what if you saw somebody at like a comic con who's just a superman and he was a black guy right would you go up to him and say you can't do that because you're not white right or you see a white dude and he's dressed up as a black panther you can't be like oh dude you can't do that yeah you should 
be able to dress up as your heroes in, in, regardless of what their ethnicity is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, especially make-believe. <laughs> yeah, it's like, look like, at these people actually exist, you know? So, I mean, what if there was a black character that was as popular as Superman or Batman, and everyone wanted to dress up as for Halloween? That, wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Black Panther almost got there and died. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm a big fan of pr- promoting just cool pop culture in general, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I- it irked me. I, I'm 100% for it, especially when it comes to things like this, where you're like, it's just someone loving art and something they admire. Uh, and it's like too, especially younger kids, but like to shame them for feeling like they can't. You know, it's like a couple of years ago when I, I saw, I don't know what Disney movie it was, like Moana or something like that. And they're like, oh, you, you know. The white kids can't dress as Moana because she's Hawaiian or whatever, you know, I, I don't know, or Samoan or whatever. I didn't see the movie. Some sort of Pacific Islander, right? And I'm like, okay, so these little girls who look up to this character, um, you're going to tell them they're wrong for wanting to admire them. I'm like, you're just creating more separation instead of making it be like, hey, look, we are all equal and the same and like... You know, you can teach them the differences while still teaching like, you know, it's not like their parents are fucking putting brown shoe polish on their face and be like, all right, go get a king size Snickers, little fucking Nikki. Here you go. That's unacceptable. Yeah, no. I, I, so like my, my niece is very brown. Her name is Anoa. And my brother's like, I don't know, 10 shades darker than me. Sure. He had, he had a, a daughter with his baby mama's also got dark skin and this little girl was you know she loved mermaids but she she wanted to watch like moana and stuff like that too but as soon as she as soon as uh her her mom put on moana for it it was like oh you'll also like the princess and the frog oh and you'll also like you know whatever the the ethnic disney movies yeah were and it wasn't suggesting any like Cinderella or Tangled or Sleeping Beauty or anything where there was a white female protagonist. It would only suggest the brown female protagonist movies. And she's like, I I don't know how to feel about that. Like, I feel like they're they're ethnically pigeonholing my daughter. Uh, yeah. By saying, oh, you, we made all these like brown brown people movies for you. Here, here, watch them. They're for you. We're targeting your demographic. I'm like, hey. Yeah. Kind of road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. It's not like you want to preclude those from her viewing, but you don't want to be those those necessarily to be exclusive because it does, it does create a prism on the other side of like feeling trapped in that identity, and that is your identity. You know, when uh, uh, instead of in, in like a negative way too, it creates connotations of like, oh, this is just how people look at me. You know, um, instead of just being like, oh, I'm a person first and and like my my ethnicity is a part of me and does come into play at times in certain situations and uh obviously you know there's bigoted and racist people out there but for the most part you want to be able to look at yourself as a person and just be like i'm connected to these other people because they're people you know not because they look like me or like come from come from a land similar to mine or something you know yeah exactly and I mean, obviously, somebody was asking me about like setting the comic book in Korea, 
And I was like, well, if you think about it, all fairy tales and all like folklore and everything like that, they're speaking to the human experience. There are Cinderella, quote unquote, Cinderella stories that happened all throughout Africa, that happened all throughout Asia, mm-hmm. uh, because it's a human experience that's pervasive across all humanity. Yeah. You know, so these, these fairy tales, it doesn't matter what ethnicity anybody is, um, because they happen in all these different cultures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not really fair to say, oh, well, you know, white, well, it's not, it's, like not fair to say there's no black mermaids because that's bullshit. Mermaids are also imaginary characters, right? <laughs> but secondly, like why wouldn't there be black mermaids off the coast of Africa? Yeah, up and down that bitch. Like that totally makes sense to me. Right? Like, why wouldn't there be? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If there's if like why would mermaids only be white? It doesn't. Yeah, it's such a weird thing that the, the Scotland. Yeah, and you're like, what? No. Man. <laughs> I, like, why? If you go to the Caribbean, where all the pirates saw all the mermaids, why would any of them be white? Sure. Anything, they're all brown. Yeah. yeah. Well, I I was doing this joke for a while when that like whole tr- thing came out. I'm like, America's still so racist that they're more willing to believe in mermaids than they are willing to believe in a black person that spends their whole life in the ocean the <laughs> they're like ah oh, no, i don't know about that one <laughs> yeah, like, what? okay that's weird yeah it's it is funny the outrage on that end too when people are like the little mermaid's white i'm like the little mermaid is a an imaginary thing that like actually in the original book she's like described as green actually i think it's the only time she's actually described in color so like She's what it is. She it's not it's not her story is not predicated on her color or heritage. So like, you know, someone tried to make this argument like, oh, so what if they made the Black Panther white? And I'm like, well, that's I think we're talking. That's a different thing. You're talking about, you know, a lineage of African kings. I think that I think at a certain point they kind of have to be black, you know. Uh, but the, we're, we're t- you know, Africa's a real place. It turns out, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever this fake ass kingdom is, where she, she goes and steals all these forts and shit in the movie. They, they didn't say where it was, right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is wild and it is exhausting. It's the, uh, you know, I, I, uh, it is strange because, you know, it's funny because where I grew up, um, it, it's, you know, we, we definitely saw like the most, the most like racism I think I saw was the cops, you know, LAPD, uh, when they were in the area or like, honestly, like the Korean business owners hated any brown person or black person. Um, but also like, you know, I brown and black people robbed their stores. White people never did. Cause they didn't live in that area. So like, I don't know, like, I'm not, I, I'm not saying it's right for what they say. It's just like, they're like, Oh, I see you as someone who's robbing my store. And I'm like, it's just a weird thing. Um, yeah. And I, plus B squared equals C squared. I agree in theory. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's, it's crazy out there these days. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I think we're uh, 
we're again this is about to die again but we're coming on an hour here so we'll uh We'll we'll wrap this up. How about uh, tell people where they can find you, where they can find the comic, and how they can help support it with the Kickstarter and more. So you can find us uh, on mustardinecomics.com, or you can look up NaritaComic.com. Uh, all of my social media stuff is just at NaritaComic, um, and it's got I'm always dropping like you know sketches and like works in process. And, and, and behind-the-scenes stuff from all the books that I have coming down the pipeline on Twitter and Instagram. I don't know how to use Facebook. I guess I'm too young. Um, I'm on it, but it makes no sense to me, and I'm scared of it. So okay. if you're on Facebook, you can kind of find me, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, look for uh, uh, links on my Twitter page and my Instagram page to get to the Kickstarter which is uh, running through October 16th. Okay. And we've got, like, variant covers on there, and you can catch up on all the LKC books at the bottom. You can do add-ons and all kinds of fun stuff. It's like five bucks, and you get this vampire comic. You get a little digital version. You can read it from the comfort of your home. Ten bucks will get you an actual comic in your hand. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, you want the physical copy. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the good stuff. Um, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it's just better. I have trouble reading anything on a, a books or comics on a on a screen. I need the physical. I'm that old. I'm I'm almost forty. I gotta. I need the analog version. Yeah, 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 <laughs> um, the uh, okay, uh, David. We got a couple minutes left, so I'm gonna ask you some rapid fire questions before we go. Uh, do you do you still do you did you grow up reading comic books? Do you still read comic books? Uh, yes, and yes. What do you? Uh, what did you read? What do you read now? I did read a lot of Batman comics, Wildcats, all the stuff from early Image comics, uh, Todd McFarlane, all that as a kid. Now I tend to gravitate towards um, graphic novels and uh, you know Fantagraphics books or. Uh, weird off the beaten path okay these comics yeah you know. there's uh there's a really good comic book by brian azarello and um what's his name rizzo something rizzo uh they did Eduardo rizzo. yeah uh they did you know they did run on batman i think superman too but they they've got a book i started reading it it's a couple years old but it's called moonshine um it's really interesting. Look it up. I just started the first volume. Have, have you read 100 Bullets? I have not. By them? Oh. Good? Ah. Okay. So good. So good. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. The, uh, if you, I'm a big fan of like, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Too. Uh, dude, I just read. I just reread the whole Sleeper Run. Ed Brubaker's Sleeper Run. That Ed Brubaker is one of my... Uh, potentially my favorite comic book writer of all time. I, I read through... Uh, I did like the whole Daredevil run of like Bendis through Brubaker. Uh, I read Brubaker's Captain America. I read his uh, Stormwatch or Authority run he did. Um, and yeah, yeah, the Sleeper. So yeah, Incognito is awesome. Cognito's but, good. Yep. Uh, Laz, uh, not Lazarus. That was Greg Rucka, but uh, uh, Fatal. Fat- Fatal. Yeah, Killer Be Killed. Brubaker's done a ton of. St- um, if you were a, if you were a Wildcats guy, because I love the Wildcats, because I was an X Men guy, I love Jim Lee. So it, obviously, I followed Wildcats, even though the 
first volume of Wildcats. I've went reread recently, and it's complete trash. Um, oh yeah, me too. I still own it, like in, in trade. It, you know, like it's, it's terrible. It's the most meandering. Like on, they, like they had, they had no clue what they were doing. They put out the first issue, and they didn't plan a second one at all. You can tell. Yeah, um, but they have you ever read Wildcats 3.0, the run by Joe Casey? Oh, I highly suggest it. After Travis drawing. Okay, so the second volume of Wildcats, like the first six issues, is written by Scott Lobdell. Then Joe Casey takes over and re- writes like the next twenty, and then he does Wildcats Volume Three, which is called Wildcats Three Point That is arguably his run from like the middle of Wildcats Volume Two to the end of Three is arguably my favorite run in comic book history. Um, really? yeah, so and uh, Travis Charse, um, does some art, and who's the other guy? New Nguyen, um, Dustin Nguyen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, I think you it's it's great, I love it, I highly suggest it. So, hell yeah, hell yeah, so I used to love that those fine detail lines, yeah. Travis kind of stuff. I was like, dang, this yeah. book can draw, yeah. Dustin, Dustin Nguyen has some of that. Huge. He's drawing huge, and then they shrink it down to the comic book. And I was like, Yeah, can imagine. Finest hand of the finest. How do you do it? Oh. some tricks up his sleeve. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think we're about to run out of time, so we're going to get out of here, guys. Uh, we appreciate you hanging out. Uh, f- again, go decomedy.com. Check out everything going on across the network. Uh, find David on uh, social media. We'll have his links in the uh, description. And support the Kickstarter. Get a copy of Yuriko, and uh, we'll have you back and talk to you with your next project, man. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Thanks. Great talking to you, too. Uh, And for social, I've been Deese. And for David, thanks, guys. And we will see you next week.